I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Obviously, haven't done this in a few weeks now where I did the solo show. If you've previously tuned in, this is the third edition of Joe Knows, and I'm going to start to consistently do this once the NFL draft winds down. There obviously will be less topics to talk about, but I'll have a little bit more time on my hands. I can actually talk and dive into some of these great topics that I want to talk about with football and other sports, and hopefully things start to actually open up back soon get again and i can actually talk about things other than off-season football because you know right now we don't have the nba we don't have the mlb we don't have the nhl we don't have any of that good stuff or any of those playoffs coming up like they're supposed to be right now instead we're sitting here and speculating and reacting to whatever little bit of news we can get a hold of but it just so happens on monday we got a ton of big news that being from christian mccaffrey if you happen to miss this, I'd be shocked if you did because of the how how little there is to talk about right now and how huge of a headline this was. Christian McCaffrey signed a four-year extension with the Carolina Panthers, averaging $16 million per year. That makes him the highest paid running back in NFL history. So when you start to hear these headlines of running back signing, the first thing you think and the first thing that I thought was, oh, great, we, here we go again. We have another team that overpaid their running back. They're going to hamstring their team. Their offense is not going to be as productive because they can't pay for other guys. And then eventually that guy's going to get hurt and cut, very similar to what we just saw with Mr. Todd Gurley in the LA Rams. He's now an Atlanta Falcon. Not saying his career is done, but he's not the same player he was. He signed all that money. He signed that big contract. And now he is on a completely different team. Did not produce at that same level. We're already getting some glimpses of that with Ezekiel Elliott, who had a bit of a downturn of a season and looked a little bit slow towards the end of the year last year. Big part of the reason why they had a lack of success because they couldn't run the ball as well. And if you remember, he is currently, was previously rather, the highest paid running back in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey now takes that check. And my thought, like I just talked about, was how could they do that? How could they so recklessly pay a running back after we just saw this happen with one very notable guy in Todd Gurley? And we've seen it happen multiple times. Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell. It never works out. Why would you pay a running back that much money? Well, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. If you actually put some thought into it, he's not a running back. Christian McCaffrey might be listed as a running back, but he's an offensive weapon. He produces that as a a running back, and as a, a number two or a number three receiver for your offense, high volume of touches, but besides the point, 
the amount of production that you're getting from Christian McCaffrey, who I do not want to label as a running back, is certainly worth that paycheck. If you think about it, if you split Christian McCaffrey down the middle and you split him into the receiver and the running back, if you had two different players, I'd be more than willing to pay a running back $8 million and then my number two or number three receiver $8 million. That's a pretty good deal. If you look at the production that Christian McCaffrey has had too, he has not been too overworked. He's three years into his career. He's going on to his fourth. And he has not missed any games due to injury. He's played in all 16 games for the first three years of his career. His first season, not as productive because he only started 10 games. But since then, in his first full year as the focal point of that Carolina Panthers offense, rushed for 1,098 yards, seven touchdowns, and also had a stupid amount of catches with 107 and 867 yards and six touchdowns. Then he took a step forward. He had 1,387 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns to go along with, 1,005 receiving yards, 116 receptions, and four touchdowns. Every statistical category except for those receiving touchdowns has gone up for Christian McCaffrey. The signs all point to the fact that he's not going to slow down. His body is in good enough shape that he's not going to deal with any injury issues. We've seen him get bigger. He came into the league around 200 pounds, I want to say, a little bit over 200 pounds. I don't know what his weight is at specifically right off the top of my head, and I'm not going to waste my time looking it up. But he has progressively very clearly gotten bigger. I mean, remember the beginning of last offseason during OTAs and, and workouts that people were losing their minds of how big he looked in a jersey. He's putting on the necessary weight to protect himself. But again, going back to the original argument here is that what he is able to do as a receiver and a running back is not normal. It is not the norm of what these highly paid running backs are worth. And I wish all of those other guys had the same things that Christian McCaffrey had. Or has, rather. I wish Todd Gurley could have hauled in 100 receptions and had 1,000 yards receiving. There are so few running backs that have done that in NFL history. He is on a historic pace. And being able to do both things makes him worth that money. He's not a running back. He is an offensive weapon. He is the best player on their team now that Luke Keekley has retired. And he's going to continue to get better. And maybe you only get him until he's 30, and that's when he starts to slow down. Or maybe it's even earlier than that. Maybe this is the season where he starts to slow down maybe just a hair, and he doesn't play all 16 games. You're still going to get really good production out of him for those next four seasons. And that's probably the smartest thing for them to do is to lock him up for four more years, keep him here, don't try to franchise tag him and and mix and match and see what happens like the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell and then hope someone else overpays him. Instead, keep him here, get what you can out of him for those four years. Maybe he falls off towards the end, 
then you let him move on and find a better opportunity. Speaking of better opportunities, and it's kind of funny, I didn't even think of this when I put together my show notes, that I'm going to be talking about the quarterback for Christian McCaffrey, or rather the former quarterback. That's Cam Newton. Being the fact that he is one of the best available free agents that still has not signed, it's worth discussing potential landing spots for a guy like that. Cam Newton being a a former MVP led his team to a a one-loss season, almost went perfect, led him to a Super Bowl, did not win, and has had some troublesome years over the past few years because of injuries and inconsistencies with with his accuracy. But if you get the right Cam Newton, you might not get the MVP Cam Newton, but you're still going to get an above-average quarterback in that upper middle tier. He's not going to be top 10, but Cam Newton can be a game-changer for a team that really needs a quarterback right now. And the thing that makes things so complicated is that teams that are in need of a quarterback are almost a week away from drafting the guy of their future. And that leads into how everything comes into play. Because according to Bleacher Report on one of their Instagram posts, that there is a rumor circulating that Cam won't sign until after the draft because he doesn't want to go to a team that's going to draft a uh, first-round quarterback. How many times have we seen that where guys will go to a team and sign with a team in free agency and everyone's all excited and like, oh, he's going to be the next free agent, big free agent quarterback that's going to redirect the team and help them get back on track. But then they end up getting benched halfway through the season for a rookie that gets drafted early on in the first round. I mean, the most notable one I can think of off the top of my head is Mike Lennon and Mitchell Trubisky. Everyone was talking about Well, Glennon was overpaid. Everyone recognized that. But everyone was talking about how, you know, Glennon could come in, step in, and start, and that Trubisky probably wouldn't see the field much. That didn't end up happening, and the rest is history. But for Cam Newton, he's trying to protect himself here. He doesn't want to go somewhere that's going to put him in a compromising situation. So it's it's a bit difficult to really feel out what his uh, options are. And the two that I want to completely eliminate that I keep seeing that I strongly feel are just unrealistic the two that I want to eliminate are the Chicago Bears and the New England Patriots. For the Bears case, they just traded for an awful contract for a second quarterback for Nick Foles traded a draft pick to make that move. For a guy that might be your backup, that probably will be your backup. Because Trubisky might not take a, a huge leap forward, but he's still better than Nick Foles for what you're trying to get out of that offense. It just doesn't make sense. You you put that much capital in trying to get Nick Foles, and maybe you're saying, well, they didn't know Cam Newton was going to be available when they did that. That doesn't mean you put yourself in a crappy situation because you want to go out and get that guy. It just, that does not make any sense. They've already made too many moves 
to go get another quarterback. They're already investing a, a stupid amount of money in a guy that might not even start. Why would you pay a third quarterback, have a three-way competition, and then hypothetically, if Cam doesn't win that, why would he have gone there for all that? The second one that somehow has been the most realistic one is the New England Patriots, like I said. And, and the reason why I want to squash this is I don't think anyone ever checks the cap room of teams when they want to talk about signing free agents. Everyone's like, oh, Cam's a free agent. They need a quarterback. Why don't they go sign Cam Newton? Why don't the Patriots go get the best guy out there? He's going to make this team so much better. Do you know how much cap room the Patriots have? They have $1.2 million in cap room. You think Cam Newton's going to sign for a $1 million deal? Are you kidding me? You're either dumb and overly optimistic, like a lot of Patriots fans are, or you just didn't check the numbers, which is the more likely one. You definitely did not check the numbers. So 1.2 is not enough room to sign a uh, sign a quarterback unless they made some serious moves to cut people. And they had to make moves just to re-sign one of the McCourty twins. It, it just it doesn't make any sense to me how that that has become a realistic option. I get it. The Patriots need a quarterback. You don't really know what you have in Jared Stidham. Their best bet is going to be drafting someone. They're going to draft someone if, if they're not 100% confident in Stidham. And they're going to have to hope that Jordan Love is available at the end of the first round. If not, maybe you go Jalen Hurts and see what you can develop him into. Maybe you sit him for the first year and see how things go with Stidham. But that's for a discussion for another day. The more realistic options, and I have three. The first one being the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, to knock out the cap room conversation, they have around $22 million, So that's plenty of room to sign them. Realistically, this deal is probably going to be one to two years, depending on how comfortable Cam is, if, unless he wants to go on a, a prove-it deal. And it's probably going to be in the range of 15 being an absolute floor and 25 being the ceiling. So you can sign him for $20 million. That makes the most sense. You can you can fit him within that that structure of the of the salary cap. But if you look at what that team has, you're giving him an upgrade at the receiver position with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, a good tight end that they franchise tagged in Hunter Henry. Their offensive line is okay. They did sign Brian Balaga, which is a huge step forward. They also traded for Trey Turner, and they also have Mike Pouncey. Their defense has progressively improved. They did go out there and sign Chris Harris, so you do have that extra layer to the team because you have a good defense that is centered around Joey Bosa. And as much as we've heard about Tyrod Taylor being the expected starter and Tyrod Taylor's trainer saying he can be on the same level as Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. I'm not really buying that as enough to really make me think that the Chargers are sold on making him their their strict starter. 
they're just going to go forward without making any necessary moves. They're going to at least draft someone or they're going to try and sign Cam Newton. Those are the two options here. If they really like a guy in this year's draft, they probably won't do the due diligence in going out and signing Cam. But if they're a little bit iffy and say hypothetically, Dolphins move up to take Tua, someone leapfrogs like the Raiders or the Jaguars, the Chargers, and takes Justin Herbert, where does that leave the Chargers? Without very many options for them to go in terms of drafting, unless they really want to go Jordan Love as early as six. So if if they miss out on that sweepstakes, this is a perfect opportunity, uh, like I've already laid out here, for Cam Newton to step in for a competitive team that needed an upgrade at quarterback and that hopefully can win right away. Second team, Miami Dolphins. This team also $22 million in cap space, and they were huge spenders in free agency in bringing in a ton of defensive talent in trying to completely reshape a team that has been struggling. They have three first-round picks, giving them opportunities to fix this offensive line and maybe even add an offensive weapon. They have Devontae Parker. That's really about it. Alan Hearns, inconsistent and not 100% healthy. Mike Gusecki, we haven't really seen that full peak of, but this Dolphins team is in desperate need of a quarterback, but all signs really point to them taking Tua. We don't know for sure, though. And if come at the end of the draft, the reason why I'm including them here is because if they don't take Tua, then they can go do their due diligence and they can sign Cam Newton. If Cam Newton landed in Miami, I don't think it's his best available option, but he could go out there and contribute and start right away and do decently well with decent resources around him. The final one, and I think this is the one that right up against the Chargers makes the most sense. And it makes the most sense a little bit more than the Chargers because the Chargers are probably going to be able to draft a quarterback early on in this year's draft class. But this second team, or this third team rather, is the Washington Redskins. The Redskins have Dwayne Haskins currently as their quarterback. And what we saw from Haskins isn't really enough to make us all feel comfortable. They look good in spots, but for a rookie season, not really enough to make us say they're good for the future. They're probably not going to take anyone at two. They're definitely going to take Chase Young and not overthink things. But this is a good situation for Ron Rivera to get some insurance that if he can't get Dwayne Haskins to play up to the the par that he wants him to, up to that, that level of a, a average to above average starting quarterback, he can bring Cam Newton in and either start or light a fire under Dwayne Haskins' ass and motivate him to compete heavily during the offseason, during the preseason. He needs a, he, he's going to need some juice for this offense, and you either are going to get Cam Newton or a, an inspired Dwayne Haskins, because I, you know, I get it. They went and traded for, for Kyle Allen, but is that really your answer? <laughs> is Kyle Allen gonna significantly compete with 
Dwayne Haskins for that turning starting spot? No. But you bring in Cam Newton, a guy that you're already familiar with, that you coached his whole career, you know what he's like, you know his tendencies, and he can make an impact for this team. And, and you sign him to a, some type of a prove-it deal with the $23 million you have in cap space, and hypothetically, if he doesn't start, you pay him that money for one year, and then you let him walk. For the Redskins to sign him, though, I think that it would require no other competitive teams being in a position to sign Cam Newton. And it would it would require that those other teams that I mentioned to draft a quarterback, and then it would really leave the Redskins on the table because situationally, they'd be the only team that didn't draft someone under those circumstances that I that I pointed out in the very beginning. So it, it's going to be difficult, though, for Cam Newton here for the next two weeks because all of his options could very well completely close out. There's really no other teams that make any sense because all the other teams pretty much have a guy that most people are confident in. That the front office and the coaches are assuming that he's their guy going forward. Or the other teams just don't have enough cap room to sign a a former MVP. That's pretty much it. Well, that's going to be it for me, folks. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to try and keep doing these a little bit more frequently. And, you know, I feel annoyed with myself that I wasn't doing these as consistently as I would have liked. But I'm going to try and get back to once a week, maybe twice a week. We're also going to be expanding a little bit. We'll talk about that on the Wednesday show of Get to the Point with some additional content that will be coming out. And also looking to start doing some more additional YouTube content. So stay tuned for all that great, wonderful stuff. Uh, this is this was Joe Knows. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Joe DeLeon and follow Get to the Point on Twitter at G podcast stick around on wednesday for the latest episode of get to the point